0: You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 6, Episode 16, Gene Roddenberry Letter to Dan Madsen, June 12, 1991. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host... Dr. Check, Larry Nemechek Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans. Hey, all you Star Trek history fans, you fans of all the sidebars of the franchise. Yeah, all you canonistas I say that lovingly. Basically yeah, you know who you are you Trek-a-file spell with an F. Hey, we've got another another great show looking at kind of a a sidebar to the franchise today. So, um, look, you know what to do. And, and if you're new to the show, I'll tell you what to do. Go right to our Facebook page at The Trek Files. Um, you know that you can find the podcast anywhere, but our paperwork, <laughs> our Docs of the Week right from Gene's Files, they're there every week. This week, we've got a letter from Gene. You want to check that out. Meanwhile... Uh, Take a listen to this audio excerpt and hang on and I'll be back with this week's guest. A large part of the continuing affection and enthusiasm our fans seem to have for Star Trek is due to the outstanding work that you, Dan, and your associate editor, John Davis, have done for so many years. Your official newsletters have been of consistently high quality, and I always look forward to receiving my copies. You and your staff are to be warmly congratulated for the fine effort you have shown over 11 years. May all of you continue to live long and prosper. Ah, well said, Gene, the great bird of the galaxy himself, giving uh, thanks and congratulations to uh, today's guest and there you have it right there in the in the document guys and gals dan madser was the publisher and president of the star trek official fan club as well as well being a fan himself and that's how he got into the into the biz also doing the same thing for years with the the star wars fan club um, and several other property fan clubs star trek was his origin his bread and butter and guess what we've got him back on the show today to talk about this amazing interesting story dan i'm so glad you're back with us today could join us
1: I am too, Larry. I've enjoyed our uh, our other show, so I'm glad to be back and talking about Gene and the fan club and, and all things Trek.
0: Well, aside from talking about what Plato's stepchildren was like, the lightning bolt that woke you up, uh, that was such a personal story for you, like so many fans have, not every fan... <laughs> Had that passion turn into a path that led to this letter and others, and and years and years more, and in even in other franchises. So I just I love hearing you talk about um, you, like other fans, were passion. A lot of fans did fanzines, they wrote stories. A lot of fans love nonfiction the end of it. The we 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 uh, you know Pete, we got into the engineering. Some of us got into star charting. Uh, all kinds of things. People built costumes, and you know, made props and all that. And some people felt the need to do Star Trek journalism. <laughs> tell me, no. tell me what, how, what was going on with you, and tell everybody how that started for you, how you wound up the path that led to this letter that we're looking at today.
1: Well, I, I, uh, you know, I've told you on previous episodes of uh, this that uh, you know how I got into Star Trek, and all, all along I wanted to be. As I as I became more involved and passionate about the show, I wanted to have somehow be more involved with it. Um, you know, I knew I couldn't be on the show or make the show because it there wasn't being made anymore. Well and how old so, are you here?
0: Uh, we're talking you were fourteen uh, when you saw Plato's stepchildren.
1: Fourteen when I yeah, yeah, I was fourteen when I first saw Star Trek and became enamored with it. Um, and it wasn't until um, 1979, as I became so, as as you and I'm sure many others of our. our our generation, Uh, remember working our way up to the premiere of Star Trek, the motion picture and how exciting that was. Um, I created an entire scrapbook of every article and newspaper and magazine thing I could find of Star Trek, the motion picture. Um, You know, I was was just so excited to see the new uniforms and everything. Uh, At any rate, um, after uh, I saw Star Trek, the motion picture, I decided – I want to do a fan club. I, I just I was so in love with the movie. Um I, I I was one of those people that just I couldn't get enough of it. And it and it so suddenly felt like
0: it wasn't this old little show that needed a revival. It was revived. It was it was oh, new. Time. It was a thing now.
1: Big time. Yeah. It was a thing now. It was a big thing. And so I thought, you know, how, what, what would make it different for me if I did, you know, rather than, cause there were other local fan club, people doing fan clubs, things here and there had newsletters, fanzines, mm-hmm. and I collected and had all of those. Um, so I thought, well, what, how, what can I do that's different? And I thought, well, I'll do one for just the motion picture and I'll write about that and write about, you know, share information and pictures. So I sat down in my mom and dad's living room and got the typewriter out and started typing up my first newsletter um, and, um, I, I found some pictures that I pulled out of my scrapbook and put them into my newsletter. Um, and then I went to the, uh, the local Xerox store and Xeroxed <laughs> off a bunch of newsletters, you know, and, uh, we're
0: talking photocopy started, kids. For those of you who don't know that Xerox is a verb. <laughs> there you go. I keep
1: forgetting. Yeah. That there's people today that don't know what I mean by that, but yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I photocopied them and, and then, um, I, I ran a little tiny, because it's all I could afford, a little tiny classified ad in Starlog. Mm-hmm. And I said something to the effect of, you know, Star Trek, the Motion Picture Fan Club, and the address, and I charged, I think, I don't remember what I charged, $10 a year for a newsletter every month kind of thing. And so uh, that's how it got started. And I was writing about the movie every month. And um, it just started evolving, getting better. And I, I, I got a job in a print shop And so I learned how to make my newsletter look better, um, look more professional. Mm -hmm. And um, um, it took years to get to that point because it was around the time that Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan came out that my newsletter, which then was looking a lot more professional, got in the hands of Paramount Licensing. And Paramount Licensing thought that I was somebody doing this thing on a big scale I didn't realize it was some kid in his mom and dad's basement just putting this thing out, and uh, and I got a I got a call from them saying, "Hey, you don't have a license to do you this." You got a was like, it was
0: it a call, not a letter?
1: I know I first got a cease and desist letter, uh-huh. and I have that somewhere. A nineteen
0: find that. a nineteen eighty two ish era cease and desist yeah, letter. Yeah,
1: nineteen yeah. eighty one ish, yeah. two ish. yeah, something okay. in that era. Okay, okay, before Wrath of um, Khan. Exactly. So I sent them a letter and I said, Can we set up a phone call? I'd like to talk to you. I'm not making any money off this thing. I'm just doing it for my passion. And so Helene Johnson, the head of licensing at that time, who, um, you know, you have people come in and out of your life that, you know, change the course of it. Mm -hmm. And she was one of those for me. She um, got on the phone with me. I didn't expect to have the head of licensing on the phone. And she said, Well, you know, Dan, she says, We've been thinking about doing a fan club for Star Trek. She says something that was official. And she says, you know, you have the right amount of professionalism mixed with the right amount of fanaticism. She says, how would you like to fly out here and talk to us? She says before and before she said that, she says, we went to Gene Roddenberry. I was going to
0: say, yes.
1: and, And talk to him about you. And she said, Gene knew all about you, had been getting your newsletters, loved what you were doing, and said, you were the guy to do an official fan club. So she said, we wanted to make sure he he gave us his blessing. He said, go for it. So I flew out. Got to meet with Helene in, in the licensing office. Um, had a great meeting with her, went over to Gene's office, sat down, told him what had gone on in the meeting. He said he'd continue to put in a good word for me. I came home and it was, I don't know, a month later, I get this 50 page contract in the mail offering you know, you know I had no attorneys or anything. And I my dad read it over to make sure there wasn't anything in there that said, you know, right. they own my firstborn child right. or something. Right, you
0: know? right. You know? Or we'll we'll take uh, he, every ninety nine cent of every dollar you make.
1: Well, that yeah. too, yeah. And so you know, he said, "Looks good to me." And I said, "I'm just going to sign it." I signed it. Boom! Off it went, and uh, and uh, the rest is history. It just started growing after Wrath of Khan came, to Search of Spock, and I, I I started building the fan club, started doing more professional advertising and Starlog and other publications. Um, and the magazine started or the newsletter started kind of turning into more of a magazine format, um, started going to full color from black and white. Um, and word started getting out. I started doing flyers. We sent them out to every Star Trek convention mm-hmm. across the country, asked them if they would put them out on their flyer tables. Um, we started going to conventions and signing up fan club members, literally at our fan club table. And, uh, you know, one thing after another, and then, uh, after that started going, we started adding merchandising. We started first doing our own...
0: Well, can I stop you thing. just a second? I want to... Yeah, because this yeah, is... Yeah. You're you're blowing through all this like it's nothing. And I <laughs> want to talk about a, a couple of major think, moments here. But I want to go yeah. back to the way I heard you... You've told me this before. Helene getting in touch with you at the very beginning about about this. And she... I'm glad you threw in uh, about talking to... That they had talked to Jean about it. But I know you. you basically said at some point... They talked to Gene about needing to shut this guy down because he's getting, again, they didn't know you were just a kid and your parents, you know, college, college age kid, whatever, maybe, but they didn't, they they thought you were a company somewhere. And, and Gene not only said, let's go for it, but didn't Gene say, why not shutting him down? Let's bring him into the family.
1: That's exactly what which was
0: that sounds so Gene. I mean, you could say that that
1: that is that was his exact words was why Why instead of shutting him down, let's bring him into the family and let's let's support him because we already know he's doing a good job. We like what he's doing. Mm -hmm. We know he has the passion for Star Trek. Let's let's get behind him and support him. And that's exactly what happened. It was because of Gene that. Um, I, you know, I, Helene liked what I was doing, but Gene was She had the, no clue.
0: Uh, she wasn't a Trek yeah. fan. Yeah.
1: No, he, he, he's the one that actually made it happen.
0: And, and I say that because it seems like over... T- and this is at a t- again, guys and gals, this is at a time when licensing is not an art and a science and a huge, but, you know, it's like whatever we can, whatever's the hot thing of the moment, we can slap it on a t-shirt or a lunchbox. And then in two or three years, there'll be another hot thing that we slap on a t-shirt and a lunchbox. I mean, that was kind of licensing simplified. And that was it, you know, and maybe Planet of the Apes was the hot thing this, you know, whatever, and maybe a little linger, but there's that, but also that, we've talked about this before, that gene kind of being astute with, Yes, business, but taking this the passion point where fans wanted it's like you know, the shut up and take my money thing. But this is Absolutely. all in a, this is all what I call the paper and stamp days for everybody who's grown up now with the internet. This is everything you were doing to promote was part of that, but that wasn't that wasn't well. People still had to sit down and talk, and Gene had to sit down and explain things to other people, and he had to explain, and that business world didn't get. A lot of this and and you were a wide-eyed innocent i know but you kind of in your gut knew what would work and fly and that's how things you know added along tell me because at some point you took on another employee and at some point you took on the you know, what where was the decision to do that and also you started to say do merchandise when were those because yeah. those are big that was John well, just doing a newsletter
1: yeah well i started doing the newsletters it started growing i had a good friend from high school john davis who um was also a big Star Trek sci-fi fan. And I, he was wanting to be a writer. And I said, well, why don't you start to do some Mm -hmm. writing for my, uh, my newsletter? He said, okay. So he came on board, started doing writing. Um, and then, you know, as the, the the newsletter started becoming more of a magazine than a newsletter, you know, I started realizing I was going to need somebody to do accounting. Um, so I hired a, a person to do accounting. I hired, um, a variety of different people mm-hmm. to uh, the mailroom because we were starting to get so much mail um, that, you know, I mean, I couldn't handle it all. And I was doing at that time, I was doing the writing, the editing, the layout mm-hmm. and design. You know, this was not on the computer. And then you know, there was no <laughs> such thing. You know, now, it was on the layout board. There you know, are, there are photos of you doing those settings.
0: paper. Yeah. Paper and paste up. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. Trying to get it all fit to look good, you know, and then uh, taking it to the printer and watching it gum off the press. And so anyway, any rate, um, it was some point I decided, let's try to sell our own merchandise. I mean, maybe we can, you know, help support this thing besides just the fan club fee, you know, to, to, mm-hmm. to sell some merchandise. So we started out with doing our own like Star Trek, the official fan club clock and things like that. Um, and we did we did the very first, you know, these mugs that now are familiar to everybody, but we did the very first um, um, mug with um, Kirk, Spock, McCoy on the transporter. You pour hot liquid into it mm-hmm. and they beamed out of the transporter. They disappeared. Right. And on the other side of the mug was a planet scene and, and they would reappear on the other side of the mug on the planet. And this was like this was like state of the art technology when we were doing it. Nobody had done this yet. Yes. And I had a friend that was doing this with something to do with Doctor Who. And he says, Hey, you guys ought to do this with Star Trek. So I did the very first, that very first mug like that. At any rate, so we started having to, once we started developing more and more merchandise, I had to hire more and more people to work in a warehouse. Um, and the thing just started going crazy, you know, between the marketing, the advertising, the merchandising, you know, and Gene was a, a great supporter of it throughout the whole way. I would get letters from him all the time saying how much he loved this or that. I, every issue of the magazine, I would send him copies of it. Um, so he had everyone, he got to read it. He to, told me he would read everyone, um, every product I made in the early days, I sent him copies. Of course, I had to send them to Paramount Right. licensing for their for their they got a certain number of every uh, every product but i would always send some to gene so he would have uh, a copy of every product that was coming out of the official star trek fan club and um, but and you
0: had the you, know, you had the unique place there well the magazine grew you brought me on as editor we got yeah, we yeah, went to newsstands where you didn't have to be yep. a member right right but also right. the merchandise you had like a, the only other thing I know that equaled this was what they did for the experience in their gift shops. But you did you weren't just jewelry or you weren't just, you know, a model kit. You had a you you had a kind of an umbrella yep. license, right?
1: We did. And in fact, what my goal was um was to not only have our own exclusive star trek official fan club merchandise but i wanted to carry everything under the sun that was licensed by paramount for star trek because i saw the fan club as being kind of a wheel and we were at the hub and all these different licensees that had all these products they sold them you know in a hobby shop or a bookstore but Mm -hmm. you know the fan Club, You could come to the fan club and in every issue of the magazine was our catalog inserted in the center and you could find every licensed Star Trek product and if you were a member in the club you could also purchase some of our exclusive stuff that we made um, and I don't know how many hundreds of products we made Larry over the mm-hmm. years, um, uh, exclusive Star Trek fan—I still
0: covers. hear from people who talk about their their fan club exclusives they have, or people who are tracking. It's funny now. There's a lot of like arch- archival research. People come across something and they're trying to track down. And I'll get inquiries and say, "Larry, was this <laughs> something the fan club did exclusively?" And it's like, <laughs> "Let me ask Dan." You know, and we've even tracked things for people. You know, going back in time. But anyway. Uh, and of course, times changed. Things went digital, Decipher, yep. bought the fan club company. But you the also, you had the Star Wars Club, the Indiana Jones. Yep. Well, it was called Lucasfilm, yep. right? It was just a
1: It was a Lucasfilm at first. And then we went back to being Star Wars when the prequels came out. Um, and we did, as a result of the Star Trek fan club, which was always my passion project. Mm-hmm. The others came along, you know, and I love Star Wars. But the others came along as a result of the business that I had built with Star Trek. Um, Star Wars, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's um, right. Those
0: were yeah. big ones that I did yeah. later. You did have the Lord of the Rings. They were, they were, and those are hot. Those magazines are like huge collectibles now.
1: Oh yeah, the, you can find them on eBay, but there's only some of them. Some of them are you can't find. Yeah.
0: Anyway, well, it's it's been a, and, and since then you worked with I know her who uh, her universe you worked. Uh, that was another Ashley, passion and project. I her, yeah.
1: And I helped her get the Star Trek license to do. Um, We did um, female fashion for Star Trek, um, Mm -hmm. dresses, skirts, you know, all kinds of cool Star Trek product Mm -hmm. for fangirls. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a passion project. I helped her launch that and did that with her for uh, 11 years until we sold it to um,
0: Hot Topic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dan, listen, um, this has just been great going back through. Wait, We barely scratched the surface. Sometime down the future, we'll have to come back and we'll find some more some more letters like this i'd still love to find that original um letter from 1980 or whatever it was 81
1: <laughs> i'll find it and get it to you and we'll do another episode okay of that when I do
0: that. we'll look forward to digging as you dig see i know so many people who are out digging in their garages now the trek files has created a whole new wave of activist archiving so this is great <laughs> it is that's no question about it well, I'm so glad. we. Hopefully, we'll, we'll, we'll turn you and a whole lot more folks into Truckle Files as we go along. But, Dan, thanks again for, for joining me here.
1: Thanks, Larry. I've always enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> hey, everybody. The Truck Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. And all of these documents and your chance to comment are available right there on Facebook at facebook.com slash Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47, that's me, at LarryNemichek.com. Trek well, everybody.
1: This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.